And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 290 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the only guy I have to say to pick Ted Lasso for Best Actor and Best Comedy Series for an Emmy Award, Mr. Joe Polizzi. And it wasn't enough. We need more awards because that show is so exceptionally good. It's really good. It's It's really good. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, as you... Are you happy? I'll, I'll ask you this. Are you caught up, first of all? Yes, I'm caught okay, up, and, and, and I did watch the last episode, if that's what you're going to ask me. Are you going to ask me that? The, 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 you, you mean the most recent episode? The most, rec- yes. the most recent episode, which was the, the that, beard yes. episode. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what did you... So, I don't know if we should even go into the weeds, because a lot of people don't watch Ted Lasso, but if you're listening to I just to wanted this to know you if you like the direction. Yeah. If you like the direction. No, I didn't like it. You don't. I did not like that episode. I didn't know... How, I don't know how it moved the story along. Do you have a take? You liked it, didn't you? I, 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 no, no. I, well, I did like it, but I liked it less, I have to say. Um, for it felt a bit like a filler mm-hmm. to me. It felt like they were filling that they that they that they really. I think it's a ten episode, if I'm not mistaken, or ten or twelve. That was episode, episode nine. There's three. There's right. three more. Ten, eleven, twelve. There's three more. Right. So they. I, I think they. It, it feels like very much. You know. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen the other ones, but. It feels if this goes the way I think it's going to go, it feels like they planned for eleven, you know, to to make it tight, and they needed one more to make twelve, and so they yeah, made this might one. Be right. You know, just a little side comment because I just thought it was interesting. First of all, uh, you know, we're talking about Ted Lasso, the show, and if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Ted Lasso, I don't know what your problem is. Maybe because yeah. you don't want your Apple TV Plus subscription, which, by the way, you could pretty much get free. I mean, we got it for free because we are AT and T subscriber. But anyway, oh yeah, if you if, if right, you go buy a bag of celery yeah, at the grocery store, you get an Apple and TV. You get free Apple TV yeah. Plus. I mean, come on, that's right. Um, yeah, but here's what I think is interesting, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but we, you know, we love Tad Lasso, Lasso so much and have since the, the very first time, day it came out uh, for the first season. But it's very difficult to get merch. They don't have a lot of merch. And I've been looking forever for some of the stuff. Now we have a couple shirts. Like I have a a, a um, the shirt from the bar, the Crown and Anchor shirt, which is a great shirt. And nice. Pam has a Roy Kent shirt because she really would rather be married to Roy Kent than Joe. Wouldn't Blitzen. they all? Wouldn't yeah. Wouldn't they all? And I can't. I, and I don't falter for that. I don't falter for that because if if there was no no if really if the real Roy Kent came to my house. I would simply step aside. That's right. I would, I'd say you win because yeah. I, I can't say the F word as eloquently yeah. as you can, Mr. Roy Kent. But this is what's interesting. I want a banter. Banter is the sponsor of the of the AFC Richmond football team. Yes, that's right. And I want yeah. a banter shirt. It's orange, too. It's fantastic. You know what? Can't get one. The only place you can get one is on Etsy, and somebody made it. So the point to this whole thing is... There is a point. 
is if you create an amazing content brand like Ted Lasso, you have to see the other merchandise opportunities and the other revenue opportunities, and I don't know if they see that. Like, how do they not have a banter jersey available? Uh, you know, right. Or, or, or a banter t-shirt or, anything, or a banter or any, coffee mug. There's right, literally yeah. not that much. Most of the stuff that you will find, it's done by other people, mostly on Etsy or eBay. And, and you yeah. don't know about that quality. I want. I, right. I will pay right. more for the official <laughs> merchandise, and I can't get it. Of course. Why? Okay, you've been around the Hollywood types more than I have. Well, yeah. Why? Why would you make a decision not to do that? Is it just you don't get around to it? Uh, no, I would say that there's probably a couple of reasons. Um, number one, they. Re- I mean, and and I know this is going to sound weird, but but Hollywood production companies like this are notoriously conservative when it comes to uh, taking a flyer on some of this stuff. And they may not just, they, they may just not have had the confidence that, you know, creating a whole line of merch was going to be a, a big moneymaker for them for this. Um, they're probably more and more convinced of that now. The second reason, which I, this is what I actually suspect, and I've done zero research on this, but what I would actually suspect is that, Either someone else has B A N T R domain and and a and and probably trademarks on it, and they've pro- and the lawyers have probably said, eh, fine for the show, but don't make a thing about it. You know, you start making money on it, and now you're going to have people crawling out of the woodwork suing us and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't want the press. They don't want that. You know, they don't want somebody that's got the bantr.com or whatever domain coming out of the woodwork going, you owe me money, basically, which they probably would lose. But because, you know, let's assume it's not a online service for dating. Um, they would probably lose, but the who they don't need the hassle. They don't need the press. They don't need the, you know, the social media coming after them saying, oh, you're just trying to sell out and commercialize the whole thing. And this poor poor, you know, guy in Michigan who had BANTRs getting screwed out of millions of, you know, it's that kind of yeah. thing, right? That so that would be my that would be my guess as to why they haven't done some some of the other sort of, you know, the, for the Richmond thing, that's a no-brainer. They, I'm sure they got clearance for that before they even, you know, went on the start of the show and all those kinds of things. It's 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 almost always a legal thing. Now, to to be fair, I'm at the the WB shop right now that has the official yeah. Ted Lasso merchant. They do have a black sweatshirt with banter on it, but they do not have the jersey. And I guess what I would say is there's nothing wrong with this merch, but it's very corporate. It's very like, okay, you get the mark. Some of the some of the sayings, here's the logo for the show, put it on a shirt, uh, put one on your mug. Great. I don't know. I think they're missing out on a huge opportunity. I think most of most people are going to Etsy. So, but the, they have last year's yeah. jer- all um, the jerseys available <clears throat> are are last year's jerseys that they wore. They're not this year's jerseys. So anyways, well, that's just yeah, that's just them not being on top of there. Come on, know. peoples! I want to buy some merch. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Anyways, it's just, right? it, it's got me, yeah. the, the bigger issue is, it, as you know, it's just gotten me thinking about, and we'll talk about it on the show, is the number of companies that don't think about the additional revenue opportunities 
associated with their content property and just like, oh, I want more leads or I want, well, I think that if you're going to be successful, you have to think about multiple ways that you can generate revenue from any content property, like any great media company does, like Amazon does. Right. But I don't think, right. I think that it's interesting that you're, you see marketers, content entrepreneurs are more interested in creating more channels of content than ways to drive revenue. That's just, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it, it is really interesting, you know, that, you know, I, you know, here's the thing the, the Hollywood companies, media companies, these, they, they don't, in many ways, they're just as, as, you know, I don't know, lost is not the right word, but, you know, sort of feeling their way yeah, through this as all new. product companies are into We're you know, all media companies. We're figuring right? it out as we go, right? Yeah. 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 So, so a lot of this I'm sure is. You know, I'm sure they're having these same conversations, right? Well, should we? I don't know. You know, who should we get to design it? Oh, should we get a designer to design it? I don't know. You know, oh, call, you know, call Sudeikis. He'll have a good, you know, a good take on this. And Sudeikis is like, look, I'm just trying to get my kids breakfast. Can I, Can we talk about this like next week? You know, that kind of thing, right? You know, it's, it's, you bring up this great point because I, I was talking to you about this earlier, but I'm not going to mention any names. So let's just say that I just got off the phone with Coca-Cola wasn't coke but it was a it was okay. a big it was right. a pretty good yeah. size brand and so i got yeah. off the phone and we were talking about some uh not risky but different type methods for driving revenue and different thoughts about handling their content program and one of the people on the call said that if we were let's say in this case pepsi we could do that but we're coke and we can't and right i immediately was like I don't think that's I think that you should be thinking like the underdog right now. I think that you should be thinking I think that not taking the risk is risky today. I think it's all because you're not just competing against Pepsi in this case. You're competing against a hundred other entities plus Netflix plus Google for time and attention. We have to absolutely think differently. I don't know. That's it just it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I think to your point, I think that we're we're too tentative. Like we're not we're not risk on right now. We're sort of like oh, let's feel our way through. And I, I don't know sure. if we have the well, time, especially in larger in larger companies for sure. In larger companies for sure, that's the that's the case, right? They're you know they're so risk averse right now, and it's and it's not just a legal or risking money thing. You know, I think in many ways there are there you know there are the unintended consequences of of the you know the social and you know, marketing and the perceived brand and all those kinds of things as well. You've got to, you know, these these brands are, you know, Ted Lasso. Think about that for a second, right? Those, those they're they're nursing right now an incredibly popular, wholesome brand. They can't their their level and tolerance for risk right now in terms of what the brand can and can't do is is running. I'm sure at super high levels right mm-hmm. now. You know, because they don't want to get called out, right? They don't want to get called out for anything, and you know, and that's uh, and the the longer you know, they're sort of in this weird, uh, this weird mid place, right? Where they've established a brand, they've established a an identity, 
that has a certain, you know, something to it, you know, <laughs> what's that Austin Powers thing? It's like a certain, as the French might say, you know, something, something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, but they've got that and then, but they're not at the point where they've established it to such a point that they can't trip up. You know what I mean? There are, you know, like to your point, Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola has a big enough and strong enough brand that it can it can trip up and make a mistake, right? So Nike can trip up and make a mistake and then boom, move back, right? So you can have a little more higher tolerance for risk once you've built up that, that uh, social capital, if you will. And they haven't gotten there yet, right? They're still on that thin limb that could fall out from underneath them. So they may be going, you know what, Wait, you know, Ah, banter it could be sort of considered like a weird thing you know it's like it's like tinder but it's not and you know ah i I can i can see them having this sort of moral dilemma about whether to do it or not Hmm. yeah i know you're right and it's when 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 you have that kind of success sometimes you pull back a little bit but man i'd be i'd be if i'm into these things the hits like this are so rare I almost want, and I guess you could make the case that if you do too many little things, once you build that core content brand, uh, there you may erode the brand somehow. But I mean, I'd be thinking of an event for super fans, multiple podcasts, um, you know, all all those types of things instead of and, and taking taking that brand to the next level outside of just the show. Yeah, but. well, I think that comes. I think that comes. You know. After, you know, honestly, if this was classic television, this wouldn't come until after season five. Yeah. Because after season five is when you go into syndication and at syndication, your your golden ticket to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory is written forever. Um, And so that was always the goal in 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 classic television. You got to make it to season five, because as soon as you get to season five, then you're, you know, then you have enough episodes, basically. It's the total number of episodes, more technically, but season five was typically when you'd hit it, that you're available for syndication. And when you get out to syndication, you're getting, you know, that's when the that's when the ATM go burr, as it were. And so <laughs> this, I don't know what it is in streaming anymore. There, there may not be such a thing, but I would suspect that where, you, you know, after season three or four, you probably have enough at that point capital built up that you could start taking some more risks like that and doing like events and you know showing up to comic-con and you know all those kinds of things i bet you didn't think that just one mention of ted lasso and we'd go on for 10 minutes about this that's right nobody would have guessed that not not at all do do we should we talk about anything personally or should we just get into let's just get into the news people people know us well and i'm sure it'll come up do they i'm sure it'll come up do you know well look here you know very quickly content marketing world yay uh both the browns and cowboys won yay now we can get to the news there we go how about okay fine (laughs) go ahead (laughs) all right our first news of the show comes to us courtesy of business insider the magazine that i absolutely love to Freaking hate. Um, Are you? I, did it, you pay it, for access? I have now uh, because of, of of this show. 
Um, I have. Are now you paid regular? Like, access. are you monthly subscriber? Just, I'm just curious. I'm, I have to. I have to. Have it's to a, get the I mean, it's, look, it's a business expense because I can do it on this show and all of that, but it's really effing annoying. So I'm on. So I'll tell you frank. what I did. So I, I wanted to read this story that you're going to talk about right now, but I couldn't read it That's because right. it was blocked, and I have to be a right. subscriber to get it. So they have yes. a deal where for the first month you can read everything for a dollar. So great. That's right. I'm on the dollar plan. That's that's where I am as and well. I, but now you got to remember. Now, you got to remember I, to come back. This is what I do with all my subscriptions like this, and I go right to my calendar and I set for you know the day before it's going to renew for the the real rate, which I think is twelve dollars a month or something like that. Then to Correct. cancel it. So that uh, this will be so all of our business insider stories for this old marketing they have to happen in the next three weeks. Because after that, I'm not yes. going to be able to read it again. <laughs> Anyways. Well, there you go. <laughs> right. That's right. Or you can sign up for a dollar again. If they is... let me sign up for a dollar, that would be great. But I don't think they do that. I, I guess I could sign up under a different name, like uh, Poe Jaluzzi or something. I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you yeah. got? All right. The headline here from the Business Insider, for those of you who can actually access this article, uh, we will put, the, of course, the link in the show notes. But just know that we didn't have anything to do. We don't get any affiliate money. There's nothing there for you know anything like that. It, it's as annoying to us as it is to you, except nobody else is covering this, so we can't find a link. Anyway, no more excuses. That's true. Here's they the, are the old, like This is an insider insider. It is an insider exclusive, yes. Uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, the magazine, the media company's new betting platform, wants to show it can compete with the crowded U.S. market dominated by FanDuel and DraftKings, which we've talked about a lot on this show, becoming media companies. Here's its strategy, says the article. Uh, The article opens up by saying 888 Holdings and Sports Illustrated are trying to parlay. See what they did there, folks? This this is the quality journalism that you get from Business Insider in your $12 a month. Parlay the legacy magazine brand into a sports book for a new generation of U.S. gamblers. The European Gambling Outfit and Authentic Brands Group, which owns Sports Illustrated, launched this month the SI Sportsbook in Colorado with New Jersey, Indiana, and Iowa coming up next. 888 is banking that the SI brand will kickstart its operations in the U.S. where the online gambling company isn't well known. ABG, the company that owns Sports Illustrated for its part, is looking for the partnership to generate new revenue and relevance for the legacy brand. So the article goes on basically to talk a little more about this and about the guy who's going to be running this and and, and all of that and sort of some of the things that they're going to be doing here um, this, and some opinion on it. But basically, it's, that's really the story here. And, and it seems to me, and Joe, you correct me if I'm wrong here, that this is just Sports Illustrated going, huh, we can license our brand for free money and there we go. We just give, you know, we get a revenue share. We have to lend our brand and our logo to this thing, this European company who wants to come in and create a sports book. But we just got through talking about brand. Does this damage the Sports Illustrated brand by starting to become associated with gambling? Well, that's a good question. I don't know if you could damage the SI brand at this point. Can you? I mean... There's the, they when you look at first of all yeah Sports Illustrated one one of the if not the number one sports brand that's out there but still struggling for relevancy couple ownership changes going on and when you look at what Penn National Gaming did and purchased Barstool it's pretty good testimony to what's possible now I don't 
I don't know if it would have been better for SI to do this on their own so they could make more money or actually partner with somebody from the outside. But I think it makes you question, depending on who, whoever you are, what business are you in? Like, right. is, is SI in the sports gambling business? Well, I guess it depends on what their mission is. What would you always talk about? Is that Theodore Levitt that talked about the transportation yeah, industry? Right. Yep. Which industry are you yep. in? The railroad industry or the transportation exactly. industry? I think it's, yep. I think that what I love about what's happening with content creation today, it's, it's getting everyone to question now that we have these audiences, maybe we just don't sell widgets anymore. Maybe we service an audience and that audience has many different interests and they'll buy many different things because we have that audience. And I think that's where, where the opportunity is. And, I mean, even from look at the the Penn National. So basically, we we covered it on the show. But Penn is, I think it's Penn National Gaming. They went and they wanted to do not. They owned just casinos and they wanted to get into online sports betting. And before they did, they they went and bought Barstool Sports, which was owned primarily by Dave Portnoy, who is a you know large audience, big personality. And they launched their sports book, and it says in this article, which is hard to believe. That when Penn's Barstool Sportsbook launched, it spent zero money on external marketing, and it was a super success because they already had the audience. So I'm under the assumption that SI readers are also, in a lot of cases, are you know online gamblers, DraftKings, fantasy people, right? Wouldn't you think? Yeah. So your audience is already there. I don't think it would damage it you know, if it's done properly. And frankly... If it works, SI will go into a much larger, as you put it, total addressable market than they could possibly imagine by just covering sporting events in print and digital format, right? So, yeah, I think, you know, and I think there's a calculated bet going on here for sure, you know, and I can absolutely see why they wouldn't do this on their own without testing it first. And this is a way to test it. Um, you know, I, I here's the thing. To me, Sports Illustrated, uh, it, it doesn't immediately say gambling to me, right? You know, because I don't. I, to me, the Sports Illustrated audience, and let's not forget that they have like Sports Illustrated for kids, and they have Sports Illustrated. You know, there's there's a lot of different sub brands off of SI here. Um, you know, and you know the the thing that they're most known for, of course, is the swimsuit issue every year, um, and so. It doesn't immediately like lend it. Like I don't. I don't immediately as a as 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 a target audience of that magazine, a sports lover who wants to read about players and wants to get the inside scoop. You know, somebody who reads the Athletic, for example, and and that sort of thing. You know, and it it doesn't immediately. When I think of that, I go, oh, you know, it doesn't make me want to gamble more, right? In other words, knowing that Sports Illustrated is behind it doesn't really add a lot of it known the only thing it adds is familiarity it does not add fam- affinity in my mind and so I, I to me it's like okay it's fine it's sure give it a test see if it works but it doesn't seem like the it, it doesn't seem like this is that amazing to me I guess I, I I'm underwhelmed I guess you're you're underwhelmed because you uh, you don't think this is the right decision for them to take it to the next? Well, I, I just think, yeah, I just don't know that I would. If I'm, if I'm the brand manager or the the you know the person who makes decisions about such things for Sports Illustrated, I look at this and go, oh, g- 
Gambling, yes, it's a lot of revenue, possibly. But is our brand gonna add to that value? You know, in other words, is this test even, you know, yes, we're bringing in an unfamiliar, all that needs to happen here is something go wrong, right? In other words, the risk to my brand, just what we were talking about with Ted Lasso, right? If I'm Sports Illustrated and I go, list out on the whiteboard for me all the things that could go wrong with this, right? And there are a lot, let's be honest, that there are a lot of things that can go completely haywire here about bringing in someone new to the market, uh, you know, you mean in, the, in, in, the, new, in the partner? Yeah, that's okay. right. The the partner, right? You know, and and now all the things that could go wrong. You know, with the technology, with the money, with the brand, with the scandals that could you know erupt out of the. You know, there's so many things that could go wrong. I'm not saying any of them will, but there are so many things that could go wrong versus all the things that could go right and what we add to the party. And I look at that list, and I'm 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 I'll, I'm have to assume that somebody made both of those lists and went, "Yep, let's do it." And I I just look at that list at least in the very very beginnings. You know, I've been thinking about this for 45 seconds, but but the, that list in my head as it sits right now, I go, "Eh, is it worth it? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it or not." Unless they're really hurting. If they're really hurting, and this is sort of a desperation play, then then maybe I get it. But I just don't I don't see it as sort of a cutting edge sort of natural, like, oh, my God, this is exactly the direction that Sports Illustrated needs to be moving. All right. I was just, so I was typing, I was looking things up. Uh, this is this yeah. is the upside. All right, here's, here's the upside for you. Uh, I looked at Authentic Brands Group when Sports Illustrated was purchased by Authentic Brands Group for $110 million for Meredith in May of 2019. All right? Right. So let's just say best case scenario right now, they're worth what? $150 million? Might it's, it's in, they've right. done a little bit better through the pandemic. Great. We'll add on 20-30%. At the same time, let's go and look at what DraftKings market cap is. DraftKings market cap is twenty-two billion dollars. There's your perspective. Yep, I hear you. Why I, why I, I totally SI, get it. Yeah, totally get SI it. SI could easily bend. But SI is not going to get that kind of market cap because they're not providing the infrastructure. 888 is going to get that market cap. And quite frankly, if this if 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 what you're telling me is this is AB uh ABG looking at perhaps selling the SI brand to 888, totally get that. I totally get that. Now, if I'm 888, I'm going well, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens here in the U.S. And we'll see if SI gives us the lift that, and the entry into the market that we really hope. And we can start competing with the DraftKings, et cetera. And then we'll talk about maybe buying the brand. That So if you tell me that's the backroom conversation going on, I'm I'm totally by that. I totally buy that. Uh, I, I just, I, it's one of those game changers. It could be, you're right. It, we don't know about the partnership. We don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. But it's one of those game changer uh, moves that you could say if you were, I agree. I would like to decide to do it th- this themselves because to your point about is this good for the brand? I don't think it's a big move from fantasy. They've been doing fantasy sports forever. Yeah, this is a exactly. very small think- move. Yeah, some additional risk because of the money, and some places yeah. you can't do this, and some places you ca- places you can. But if you say we have the opportunity to 10x this business in three years, you can't do that through media. Uh, that's true. I totally buy that. I totally so. buy that. But then I then I go, huh? Then I want to see them do it on their own. 
I agree with that. I don't know why they didn't make this decision to – you're right. I think that this was a, hey, 888 came to them with the opportunity. Let's go dip our toe in the water and see what's possible. And and Exactly. So it's probably – Exactly. Here's a a free chicken dinner and a coupon to Wendy's and let's – Try this as a test. Exactly. So we'll see how it goes. I, I like I like the move, and I like that more media companies need to start thinking out of the box with, to the point we talked about in the beginning, is what business are you in? Because I think yep. every content brand, content creator, content marketer needs to rethink what they do, what they sell their revenue channels now because of the fact that once you build an audience that's loyal to you, you can sell them a lot exactly. of different things. A lot of different things. All the things. Hashtag all the all things. All the things. Hashtag all <laughs> the things. That's there right. There you go. We'll be right back. Starting a business can be overwhelming. And a great way to make it simple is to go step by step. The Dot Online Business Academy offers simple, easy to follow, and completely free courses to help you find a business idea, create a business plan, build a website, and more. The short videos, bonus activities, and resources give you everything you need to take your business up and running. Hosted by industry experts such as Ryan Folan, Jason Falls, and Kim Garst, these courses also come with interesting activities and exciting prizes. For more information, visit academy.get.online. That's academy.get.online. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our second story here. And this one is also in the world of acquisitions, mergers, and those sorts of things. And this is, you know, this one really, I think, caught me a little by surprise. Um, And I would love to get your take on this, Joe. The headline here, which comes to us courtesy of, by the way, nobody on the planet covering this at all. This is the weirdest thing. We had to go to all the way to a local television network to get coverage of this, which should have been covered which is, in... It's basically just a news release that got picked up by the local television. It was just a news literally, release. Literally. Yeah. It's literally just the news release that got picked up only by the local TV. So, you know, the, 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 the PR firm here, not doing your job so much. But, uh, yeah. This, this got picked up by, by zero of the marketing rags. Um, and uh, we found it basically looking for things as we normally do. Anyway, the headline here is Foundry Holdings announces acquisition of online geniuses, the largest marketing and advertising collaboration community. Uh, by the way, big, huge hat tip here to our friend Bethany. Um, the, the From those of you who from the show way, 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 way back, um, she is that with the Twitter handle that shall not be mentioned. Um, and she sent no, this she, well, over via the hashtag. Yeah, but she changed her. She, she's Bethany she Johnson did. is now, uh, right. what is she? Then, uh, yeah, I still can't pronounce yeah, it. No, no, no. It's it still, the, still same. the same. Bethany, <laughs> please change it. I can't even. Then why yeah. Bethany B? Yeah. Then, right. Yeah. It's all, it's all a thing. She, you know, and, and it's all love and she knows it. Um, but thank you to Bethany for sending this over via the hashtag. Um, anyway, the article opens up by saying Foundry Holdings, the digital community development firm, which you've never heard of because they don't deal in your business just as yet, um, announced the completion and acquisition of Online Geniuses, which you probably have heard of. Online Geniuses and its 35,000 member community will join Foundry Holdings, other industry-leading digital communities, including Procurement Foundry. Uh, uh, 
uh, Online Geniuses, founded in 2015 by Moshe Markovich, um, quickly became the de facto destination for marketing and advertising professionals to gather, collaborate, and continues to experience consistent membership growth. Uh, Online Geniuses stays true to its goal of providing a free digital destination. However, to ensure the quality and integrity of the community, all members must apply for membership and are subjected to a vetting process. Most recently in 2020, the community expanded personal and career development services to its membership via its interactive marketing place, including industry-leading job board solutions, marketplace, and member talent search. Um, Basically, the article goes on to talk a little bit more, not too much longer, about the actual uh, goals and uh, merger between the two companies um you have a small take on this joe i, I think it's nice and great yeah. and wonderful and you know congratulations to og because they're one of the great online communities for marketers out there but other than this it just makes i mean it's like makes total yeah, sense it, i don't have a it lot makes of total sense insight it's a, it's a fine yeah. deal why are we covering this on, on the show i think is the reason that we in a lot of cases we talk about and we uh, glamorize the HubSpot bought the Hustle deal or Salesforce bought the CMO Club deal. And what we forget is these smaller deals where I I believe are the real opportunities. Um, uh, My friend Scott McCafferty runs WTWH Media, basically uh, in the um, machine design space. Uh, He's got a lot of publications and events in in that area. And he's purchased a ton of these small little digital communities that are owner-operated, that have a lot of members, and they haven't figured out their revenue model yet. And I think that if I'm listening to this and I'm looking for, hey, I don't, you, let's say you don't have a lot of money investment to go after a big property, a defunct media brand, uh, a competitor site, whatever, and you want to go ahead and buy that audience, I think that making a list of some of these small digital communities that are owner operated is a great place to start. Now, this is maybe a little bit bigger than most, but that's the same type of thing. This person, uh, you know, uh, Mike. Uh, Kedio for you know he he went went ahead and oh let's see no that's the founder of holdings guy who whoever that's yeah, right. whoever started the Moshe yeah, Moshe exactly. Markovich so started yeah. this site and uh, probably is happy and the and Foundry Holdings is now happy because they found this little niche community and I would be making a list I would be making a list of where's my where are my audience where are my customers hanging out on these small little communities. Set somebody on your team to go find them, build relationships with them, and snap them up with a biscuit, my opinion. So <laughs> seriously. You, there's your Twitter. There's your Twitter. Uh, there's your Twitter. Well, you instead headline, of buying one big you snap it up yeah, with a instead biscuit. Instead of buying one large media property like HubSpot did, you could buy ten small ones for half the price. So That's right. You could. But PS, what the hell is your new avatar on Twitter? You just what? What the hell is going on there? Oh, that's that's crypto dads. That's is that is that what yeah. that is? I I, I it's my I, new okay. it's my All new right. little favorite NFT community, I, I, and that's the crypto dad that I I purchased. He's got orange hair and an orange beard, and he's got a pair of New Balance sneakers. <laughs> there it is. Go hey, no is. seriously, I love. I, and the reason I want to support crypto dads, and I love what they've done. Basically, it's ten thousand. Uh, individual. Did you buy a crypto? You bought. bought you bought. This, that's the yeah, one I you bought. bought? One. So I bought this one. Okay. This is mine, and uh, part of the community. And basically, what happens is, is that you buy. <laughs> it seems so stupid, but you buy a crypto dad, and then in about three weeks, you're going to get a crypto mom, if you have a dad, 
And then once you have the crypto mob and the crypto dad, it, it makes a crypto tot. <laughs> but See, what I love is the community is great because yeah. there's like six, there's like sixty thousand dads and some moms actually in this community, and it's very, very vibrant community. And I like how they built this up uh, before launching the NFTs. They had a very large community first, and they just are doing great with merchandising, and the the value of these things have gone up uh, pretty pretty significantly. So, anyways, that's my new Twitter avatar for today. There you yeah. go. Good for you. Oh yeah, I did not know. I I thought about making my my NFT my Twitter avatar for a while. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll have to do that. My my uh, my Mona Lisa. Um, you could buy. Yeah, you should yeah, buy a crypto Robert. Uh, yeah, a crypto Rose. I, I like my I like my crypto Mona Lisa because she's throwing up rainbows and is holding a Doge coin. So oh, that's um, got to be worth a, a lot. You know, it's really not. It's, it's really. It's really not. But it's. It is actually makes me giggle every time oh, I see well, that's it. That's good. Um, it provides uh, you joy. Yeah. It does provide okay. me some joy. Yes, indeed. Perfect. And it did not cost that much. Um, let's move on to our next story here, which is a really interesting one. Totally out of left field here. Uh, again, with uh, a company that you might not expect to be huge in the content marketing space, but actually doing some very forward-thinking things. Um, the headline comes to us courtesy of Bloomberg. You see here, this is where this is how the PR firm should be working to get coverage is in the Bloomberg, not in the local TV anyway. Um, McKinsey, the consulting firm, who I'm sure has an amazing PR firm, uh, and the counselor to CEOs tries courting a new audience, says the headline, kids. That's right. The article opens up by saying, over the years, McKinsey and company has advised corporate titans, world leaders, and storied institutions. Now it's pitching its expertise to an arguably tougher crowd, Generation Z. The management consulting giant has created four editions of McKinsey for Kids, online advertorials, I don't know why they can't say the word, um, that try to explain a consultant's work and why it matters. Kid-friendly topics include workforce automation and reducing food waste, and there's one about understanding the value of nature that features tigers, mangrove trees, and some well-paid engagement managers. That's a funny line. Um, You're a kid. The first installment begins. You've heard of McKinsey. Maybe your parent even works here. Yet you don't quite get what we do all day. You are not alone. (laughs) There are a lot of people in our space. (laughs) There's the jokes right themselves, folks. Anyway... The article goes on to talk about what the project is intended to do, which is ostensibly, you know, without them saying it, uh, a content marketing approach. Uh, one of the things that I found very interesting here, and it was sort of a throwaway line, is is that McKinsey does this uh, through their content studio, which is also the same group that produces their quarterly magazine, which of course is an amazing magazine oh, yeah. that they produce, um, and their other content marketing platforms that they work on. So they have a whole content studio focused on content marketing, and this uh, beyond the McKinsey, you know, magazine. Um, this is their newest entree, which is a for kids. What do you think? I am well. First of all, hats off to the initiative because it's definitely out, yeah. out of the box, outside of the box. It's definitely, definitely. some risk on going on here. But I'm I'm a little confused with what the overall goal here is. I mean, I know they they want to tell kids. Th- do, do kids really need to know what McKinsey does? Is this for when they say kids? Well, when I they think say kids yeah. too. It almost seems like they're targeting younger kids, but really, what they should be targeting is probably college age students, don't you think? 
high Maybe. school. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's certainly. I would. I would argue that there is a that there's a great opportunity for that. You know, especially if you buy into because anybody out there in the audience right now that's thinking McKinsey is thinking the same thing I thought, which is ah, this is a this is an attempt to remediate the damage done by the opioid sure. crisis that they got sort of thrown under the bus for. And so, um, you know, I think that's the key here. And then you go, well, really, where does that, where do you want to focus that? College kids would be the immediate sort of answer because of recruiting and, and those yeah. kinds of things. This to me feels much more like an indirected target to the parents, right? This is, this is, this is looking to employees uh, as well as those who are competitors and yeah, and saying basically, hey, here's something to teach your kids about, right? You know, because if you look at McKinsey and their major competition, you know, folks like Accenture and, you know, it's a lot, of, it's a huge addressable audience, right? If you look at the, you know, the employees of them plus their competitors and the total addressable market there is probably in the, you know, low millions, right? And so they can target through them, through their kids, basically a fun, interesting thing that gets a lot of press and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and maybe build a little brand affinity yeah. in, in the process. I think it's a, it's, it's interesting. It's a, I like it as an I experiment. like it as an experiment, but I almost think they, they didn't go all the way with it because there's still, it's still a little too corporate-y. Um, and, and I, I think they've inserted too much McKinsey into it, honestly. Like if, okay, so I'm just looking at this sample. It's a sample slide from McKinsey for Kids series, which I, don't, I still don't know what kids were targeting. But uh, yeah. it says, the food company chose McKinsey, but why us? A lot of smart, curious people join McKinsey because they like helping people. So it's all about McKinsey, and then they go into the food thing. But I'm like, I think they're... I think we're I think we're focusing too much on McKinsey and the pro the service and the products we have instead of being an in really interesting piece of content. They get to the heart of what McKinsey is, and that's being a problem solver. Totally, and I think this is this is, I, I and I, to me the so the creative storyteller guy in me goes, ah, this isn't for kids. This is for the adults, right? This is for, you know, because it's built like a corporate slide. Yeah. It looks like a corporate. It is not for kids, right? It's definitely not for young kids because it couldn't be, you know, it, it couldn't be more corporate looking, right? With its centered, you it know, is very centered sans serif font, you it know, and it's very line drawing and it's very brand appropriate. And it's got the McKinsey blue and all that sort of thing. And it's, and it's you know, but to me, this goes, oh, here's something fun we could do. Let's target kids and let's write our content because, you know, one of the things that McKinsey gets accused of all the time, of course, is speaking in consultant speak and, you know, it's, you can't understand what they're saying and it's like a doctor writing a prescription. It's like so much jargon and et cetera, et cetera. What if we did a whole series of content that basically explained what we do like a, you know, like you had to explain it to a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And somebody went, oh my gosh, we could target a whole kids book, and it would, and it would, but, but really, it's targeted to the adults, and the, you know that that that's what I think this is. Well, good luck to them. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's just, interesting. Yeah, when I first saw it, I read through it. I'm like, wow, this is very experimental. Kudos to them for giving this a shot. And then I'm looking, and I'm like, I'm I'm really I'm really not sure what we're trying to do here. And then 
then I'm not really sure about the execution of it. But great for the experiment. And hey, that's what this is for. If they learn from it, if they get some feedback, if they figure out who, what exactly they're, who they, they're trying to target and what they want the behavior to be, great. Maybe we'll change it a little bit and take it to the next. They've only done four of them. So I think they're working on their fifth. Yeah. So we'll see. Where it goes, yeah. but and we, yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. Or if, if this is just some the little, you know, some little yeah. thing. But hey, kids, the you thing, should it be already pay, it already paid for itself. It already oh, yeah, paid they for did. itself. That's ex- exactly right. I, yeah, some of this. That's why it's funny when you see some of the we were talking about NFTs a little while ago. Some of the moves that are going on with brands and NFTs are just worth the press that they're getting right now because they're first movers. Really, right. It may be a stupid idea long term, but they're like, you know, let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throw the yeah, dice. Exactly. See what's going on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our last uh, news item that we'll cover for this episode before we get to rants and raves is comes to us courtesy of The Verge. Um, interesting article here to chat about. Um, this one is about a new platform, um, and the, it's an interview with the CEO of this new platform. And the name of the platform is, uh, it, it's, it actually says it, I'm just going to not, you know, keep this safe for work. F.U. Pay Me uh, is the name of it. And the headline is how F.U. Pay Me is empowering creators. Uh, the article opens up by saying, we talk a lot about the creator economy here on Decoder, uh, the, bloom, the booming business of individuals using social platforms to build audiences and then finding ways to monetize those audiences, mostly through subscriptions or advertising. If only there was a word for that that they could use. There's only a word that they could actually <laughs> use for, for that that would actually explain this. God, this is annoying me. I have a whole rant for my content marketing world oh, good. speech on I this, by wait. the way. Yeah. yeah, that's just so annoying. Um, it's like they, it's like they go out of their way. It's like, it's like they can, you guys can literally hear them laughing at, and saying, we're just not going to use it. We're just not going to use it anyway, build audiences and then finding ways to monetize those audiences, mostly through subscriptions or advertising. There are a lot of players in that game. We talked to the creators about how they make money and we've talked to CEOs and CMOs about how they're spending their money. And we've talked to a lot of executives from social platforms on how they see all of it turning out. One thing I've learned, says the author of the article from all those conversations, is that the creator economy is a market just like any other with supply and demand, but that it's also a market that is absolutely starved of information. So today, I'm the author of the article talking to Lindsay Lee Lugren, uh, LLL, uh, which if she doesn't go by LLL, she should, the co-founder and CEO of a new platform called FU Pay Me, which is an all-time great company name. FYPM is an app for creators to review and compare brand deals, what brands are paying, what it's like to work with them, and whether people would work with them. Again, it's kind of like Yelp or Glassdoor for influencers. This is a really interesting platform. It's not Unlike back in the day, Joe, I I I I remember um, you know Eft Company, um, you know in the mm-hmm. dot com yeah. days, um, and the uh, uh, the whole article is really interesting. The interview with the uh, with the um, with the CEO here and and how they've come to you know create this platform and why they created the platform, but it's really about transparency and the influencer and the digital creator space to say, Hey, what are you getting paid? What are they paying? What are their terms? Are they fair? Is it, you know, sort of a, a review site for that? Um, I think this is really interesting and, and is likely to get very successful. What do you think? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think that just, you know, if, if you have the taste for it, call the name of the company is the reason why they got this 
podcast review, and that's why they're on Decoder. I mean, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Because it's a very small business at this point, but great for them. Uh, I think it's it'll all be and have if they can get people to review. Yeah, if they can get them, and they probably are getting loads of them because they're all reading this article. So it's great. Gets good uh, good traction here. Uh, It'll be a wonderful data play. So I I hope it's successful. I do have I I can't. You know how you have your own pet peeves. That you're going to talk like right off the bat with this thing. I know you're talking about it should call it something, but he says right in the beginning, we talk a lot about the creator economy here on Decoder, the booming business of individuals using social platforms to build audiences and then finding ways to monetize those audiences. Why do you always have to say they use social platforms? Every the information does the same right. thing too. It's like you can't have a business model around content creation unless it involves a social media platform. It, I'm just it's that's what's frustrating me. We should focus on the real core to making this whole thing work. Are the people and the companies that are doing it? It's not necessarily that they're leveraging Twitter or any other social platform. I don't know. That's that. That's my my pet peeve. Yeah, I mean they do. I mean the, the second half of that sentence basically then says mostly through subscriptions or advertising. But but you know I I totally feel your pain, right? Which is, you know it it seems that there you can't mention content marketing without mentioning oh, but you have to you know promote and do things you know and 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 build you know build huge infrastructure on social media right in order to do that but you right? don't have to because which you what, absolutely don't have you to you don't have to right you don't have to and, and and the interesting thing to me is that it's almost you know this is the this is the thing that really grinds my gears as 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 peter might say um, on family guy which is every time we hear about this you know it's always like this this new kind of this model it's and this is especially this is less true for the creator economy thing which is a little bit you know newer certainly in terms of you know giving it a name and you know and all of that but on the on the other side when ad week ad age you know the drum the all these publications start covering off you know the the newest coolest you know, somebody has launched a, a television, you know, program and this company, this brand is experimenting with a content studio. And it's like, it seems so novel and new and weird. And oh, aren't they, aren't they fascinating because they're so innovative and new? It's like, no, you're late. You're, you're late to this yep. party. And, and, and good for you that you're doing it, but you're not novel. You're not new. You're not innovative. You're actually late. And and that and 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 that in accompanying the whole point that they can't seem to say the word is what you know and that's you know that's my fault more than anything else right I'm not out there you know being provocative and trying to get these people to actually you know I'm not out there poking the tiger like I should but but you know the the the, the, the it's still annoying nonetheless yeah I'm I mean I want people to use the term uh, but I'm more concerned about the how they uh, define yeah. oh, totally. define what's totally. going on. You're right. That it's new, that it's different. And yeah, when do we get past that whole thing? And then when do we get past the point where we're not completely beholden to these rented platforms? It's just freaking right. ridiculous because th- there's a lot of people that read The Verge. There's a lot of people that listen to de- The Decoder and they're immediately going to think, oh, this is the gig economy. 
This is like a this is That's a side right. gig. This That's is a right. side hustle for these people. And oh, it's so cute that they created this F you pay me platform. But these are for other other people that's not me. This is a very new thing, that's new right. and strange thing going on. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean I'm waiting for the article from, you know, Ad Age or Ad Week to go. L'Oreal, the huge makeup beauty brand, has launched this new, innovative, new experiment. They're called 30-Second Spots, and they're aired on television. And it's this amazing new world of short-form content that actually convinces people to buy products now. They even provide a 1-800 toll-free phone number that you can call to acquire those products. It's amazing. It's innovative. It's a weird experiment. The CEO of L'Oreal said, yeah, we're into trying innovative new things all the time here at L'Oreal, and we believe this 30-second spot on a television commercial is just the thing to kickstart our marketing and customer experience into gear. That is so good. You should write that article. Oh my god. Because you know that yeah. you know exactly that happened in the what in the 50s probably, right? Is what I don't know, but I mean I'm expecting it any day now, right? I mean I'm expecting, you know, there's there's a new thing called a banner ad that people are just so excited about. They're talking about this being the banner economy. Oh, I bet you, I, there's <laughs> got to be one out there about uh marketers seeing newfound salvation in billboards. I mean, there's got to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, we've already oh, seen we've already seen the gracious. ones about print magazines. A lot of you know companies are saying, "Oh, we're, yeah, re- we're rethinking print because you know we can you know, getting the attention of people through the post is something that we should but it's look a, but at it's, again." But but Joe, it's not print magazines. It's the new print experience. The, the the new you know the new print experience that we're creating with long form content and long form media is created in a print experience studio with it's like you know we're calling it the PEE uh, the the print experience environment. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're probably right about that, but I don't. Uh, oh my so, goodness so gracious! Good. But anyways, hats off to to yeah these yes. To entrepreneurs for starting yeah, I, something. I played around a little bit on it, and it's interesting. It's a, it's, it's. Did it's, you sign uh, up and make an account and all that? I have not signed up yet, um, but I did go look at the website, and it's not a huge website, but but there's an FAQ that I went and looked at, and all that kind of stuff. I was, I, I actually am going to sign up just to see what's good going on. For, yeah, good for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. They probably yeah. will be successful. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite part of the show, which is our rants and rave section, when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel, well, you know, like this last episode of Ted Lasso or like the first part of Ted Lasso. And, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. I'm ever hopeful. I'm hoping they're, they're toying with my emotions. Well, it did end up, I mean, so, for those of you, I mean, we're not giving it yeah, anything yeah, away. It, it did it, end up it, fine. No, it, it was just it a ends wild, up fine. The, wild every, always, everything always ends up fine, which is, it's just, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. yeah and that was, that it was an experiment, wasn't it? And I, I'm really yeah. interested to, to understand why they did that. I'm sure we'll learn at some point. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm hoping they put it into yeah, context yeah. for us. Um, do you want to go yeah, first or I'll, shall I'll I go, go first, first or yeah, what so do we I'm got? Okay. To, if yeah. I can find it. Oh, I did. I was looking for it before the show. Yeah. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it again. Um, so uh, this is from the information uh, and this is, 
you know, just a little kudos to some of these companies that are doing this. This is the Information's Creator Economy Newsletter. Uh, Kaya Yurioff is the author of this. And so basically, what the if you're not familiar with the information, they've, they cover different business categories. A lot of them are on marketing, and they have one specifically to my favorite term, the creator economy. And this one covers what some of the larger brands are doing with their creator programs. And I wanted, I thought this was interesting because I just think it's good for us to, to realize that you've got Disney, this article talks about Disney launching its Disney Creators Lab, and you've got Chipotle launching their creator class. And I want to shoot a little rave out to Chipotle because I think they're doing it the right way. So the from this article, it says Chipotle is putting some money behind its creator class, which works with influencers on how to grow the brand. 15 creators will participate to start, including TikTok stars Newton Nagian and Nina Marie Danielle. And participants will earn some money, although Chipotle doesn't say how much, as well as free Chipotle meals. And what I wanted to talk about is, first of all, every major brand in every industry is launching a creator program, creator lab, whatever. It's basically what they're calling their influencer program. It's just interesting to know that this is going on. Second of all, what I love about what Chipotle did is they're focusing on what I'm, I guess it's the the influencer middle class, I guess you'd call it. They're not the, <laughs> they're not the very top and they're not the bottom. They're sort of in the middle. They've got an audience. Uh, they're, they're not going to cost them an arm and a leg and they are shepherding them through the process. There's a lot of education. They're in it. It's a win-win situation with Chipotle's trying to help them build their platforms. They're trying to help Chipotle. They're, it's a true partnership. They're individualized with each creator and they're starting with very uh, small amounts of people so they can focus, they can figure out what works and they move on. I think this is just a great thing to look at. If you're thinking about doing this, this is the way to do it. You're not going to focus on the Mr. Beasts of the world or whatever. Focus on some of the other ones. And what's great is if you're a brand, you probably already know who these people are if you're doing your work. So go after, don't go after somebody that hasn't been talking about your brand or your industry or has a passion for the same thing your audience does. You know, figure figure that out first. You already have the list, and then reach out to them. They probably would be thrilled. Uh, it, some of these partnerships don't cost a lot of money. So, and then the article goes on to talk about Hollisters doing their own thing. American Eagles got their own thing. So it's, I guess it. It's cool to be doing this kind of stuff now, but I like Chipotle's the best because especially because they're limiting it and they're figuring on this, uh, putting their money on this middle-class influencer basis. So that's my my rave for the week. That's fascinating. Yeah, it, is, it is amazing, is You know, it's, it, it is, and, it, and it's really, you know, it's nice to see someone actually focusing in not on the, you know, basically democratizing it a bit, right? You know, and, and sort of looking at that middle tier of influencer because it's sort of like there's an empowerment in that. I, I, it'll be really interesting to see what the results of this mm -hmm. end up being for them because there's something there's something there, right? Which is, you know, are you, because you've you got to figure that in many ways, those middle-tiered influencers, you know, your TikTok stars and those kinds of folks who are going to be reaching people are reaching the exact kind of people that they are, right? In other words, 
you're not going after some super rich or super big star who is reaching, hopefully, your target audience. You're going after your target audience as an influencer, and they're reaching your target audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the, the, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's a really interesting idea um, in terms of the way that they're approaching this. That's it's it's it'll be interesting to follow. I think yeah, I think it's just another important thing. We were talking about this before, but um, when you look at influencers too, and you look at people to reach your audience and grow your audience you gotta you also have to look at your employees i mean there's just you just have to you yeah, just have to rethink right. oh, for sure you have to rethink that not everything has to come from the corporate brand you know there, there's it's a really really smart to look at the individuals oh, yeah. that have a stake in what you're trying to do and want to help you out because uh, they're they work for your company or they're vested in your mission so it's the top. That's the top. It's the topic of my letter oh. this week. My my weekly letter that I do for CMI is the the power of the the you know when you're a content marketing organization in your company, you are not you you unless you are the storyteller, which is should be rare. You are not, the, not storyteller. the storyteller. Your storytellers are the storytellers, exactly right? right? In other words, your frontline workers, your salespeople, your executives, the people who deal with you know customer experience every day, they should be telling the stories that you're writing. You know, and you think you, you got to think of yourself more like a movie director than you do a stand-up comic. So it's uh yeah, it's 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 about it's about empowering those people to tell a great, wonderful, valuable story. Good point. So great. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So I have, uh, I, I don't know whether it's a rant or a commentary or whatever. It's just caught my eye um, from Marketing Dive, uh, which is where we'll link to. Uh, and Procter & Gamble's Pritchard once again makes a call out to the industry, as it seems like we report at least once a year uh, on this uh, on this particular show. Um, someday Mark's actually going to do something about all this stuff that he keeps calling out. Oh, he said that part out loud. He wasn't supposed to. Anyway, um, yeah, PNG's Pritchard calls out Sisyphean. Uh, they actually use the word Sisyphean in the headline, which is uh, fun. Um, <laughs> challenges around improving measurement. Uh, the article opens up by saying, despite several years of an industry-wide focus on improving measurement and transparency in digital and elsewhere, the space continues to encounter steep roadblocks that could demand greater collaboration to solve, including among trade organizations, according to Procter & Gamble brand chief Mark Pritchard, who was a keynote speaker at the Advertising Research Foundation's ARF Audience X Science virtual conference on Tuesday. Four years ago, the need for more accurate and transparent measurement was a part of a speech that Pritchard gave in which he issued a stark challenge to digital media vendors. Clean up the supply chain or risk losing the packaged goods giant's dollars, he said, not really meaning it. Oh, no, the article doesn't say that. I added that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, the article goes on to talk about the challenges right now in the measurement space. And this is especially true um, as they are looking at it in the TV uh, sort of display media space. And they talk about some, you know, that measurement right now is in a big mess. It's, it, it's, there, it's in a, you know, so um, we didn't actually cover it on this show because it's a, it's, it gets a little inside, inside baseball. But uh, Nielsen, the uh, sort of TV ratings company that has been around forever, lost its MRC accreditation, which for those of you who don't work in television or have never worked in television, doesn't mean anything to you, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal to lose the MRC accreditation. And they actually asked to be relieved of that accreditation because they're trying to revamp things. And so for television ratings, honestly, there isn't anybody 
there really isn't anybody who's providing accredited third-party certified television ratings. So right now we're kind of working on, yeah, we this is what we think it is, but that's no different than the way it's been for the last 50 years. It's just before there was theoretically some accreditation agency, MRC, sort of saying, yes, what they're saying is accurate because we audit them and, and we do those kinds of things. Anyway, without that, there really aren't standards. Then there's the whole third-party cookie thing that's going on and the inability for the you know IAB and the ANA and all of these other groups to sort of get agreement around that. The digital measurement, the television measurement, radio tele measurement, it's all in a big you know, state right now. And what Pritchard is basically saying is that it needs to get fixed again. And so, you know, I won't, I won't continue to be snarky about that, but, but I mean, it would be nice if somebody actually, you know, if they would actually like not just yell about it, but actually do something about it. Um, because the interesting thing to me is that we are in no different of a place than we've been in the last 50 years. Marketing has always been impossible to really put our finger on, and I'll and I'll say it like this because at the toward the three quarters of the way through the article, Pritchard is quoted as saying, "There's three things that he wants that he believes would be sort of the ideal here. One, quality of measurement underpinned by an independent third party accredited verification. Okay, well we've had that." We've had that forever with digital and the IAB. We've had that forever with the MRC and television. We've had that forever. It didn't give us better measurement. Two, he says, uh, embodied by a clear understanding of shared rules. Good luck with that. That <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with that, but the, in the history of marketing, that has mm -hmm. never happened and don't see it happening anytime soon, certainly in the environment we're in today. And really trying to strive for that full understanding of consumer behavior, of course. And then the last one, he says, is it needs to be cross-platforms because the consumer doesn't experience our brands and communication in one particular platform or medium any longer. They experience it across multiple, including digital video, television broadcast, digital online, et cetera, et cetera, email, and all those kinds of things. So he's basically asking Santa Claus for a unicorn here, which is never going to appear. And... This is the problem I've seen with measurement and trying to come up with these standards of measurement, you know, forever, which is they don't exist. They can't exist because things are changing in too fast of a way. And quite frankly, as privacy and our desire to have more consumer privacy and not share the data that we're creating, the only way this becomes a reality, the vision that, that Mark Pritchard sort of outlines here, is if we believe that walled gardens like Google and Amazon and Facebook are good things, ultimately. If we as consumers believe those are good things, that we only get our entertainment within these walled gardens, well then yes, all of these things, an independent third party registered certified set of measurements that's cross-platform, et cetera, is possible because we could measure them across everything of our Facebook email and our Facebook television and our Facebook video, online video and our Facebook digital experience and through our Facebook text messaging and through our Facebook-driven app. All of that would be possible, but nobody wants that. There's no brands don't want that. Consumers don't want that. Even the companies, I have to imagine, at some level don't want that. So ultimately, we, the, the, the whole environment of marketing, in my opinion, is made much better if it has these competing ideas for what is actually out there getting measured and the way that we measure it. It's been the way it's been forever. And so 
That enables us with diversity. It, 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 it also enables messiness and chaos and questions, and which is always what we should be doing. And we should just stop trying to make marketing a full-on algorithmic science. And we should just recognize that it's an art and a science. And sure, get third-party ratings when we need to. Sure, get the accreditation for the people who are providing measurement. Sure, have them certify that through auditing. All of those are great, wonderful things. But stop trying to make it the panacea that it never will be. And that's my... That's my that's my rant. Well, I was imagining music behind you as you were, <laughs> you were doing that. That was beautiful. Yeah. You anything oh, with you. Mark Pritchard just gets your panties in a bunch. I'll tell you. I, well, it just. I mean, I, I, he he often gets thrown up as sort of the poster child of the complaint of the industry. You know, from brand from the brand side, whether it be trust or algorithmic or programmatic or all those kinds of things. And he is a smart man. He is a very smart brilliant man and has done amazing things at P&G and you know but I see little action right I see you know it's like it's one thing to continually point out a problem it's another to try and actually offer solutions to fix it and you know and I know he serves on different groups and has done things with Google and has tried to do things but it's it's what is it we're trying to fix that I think is the real question there. Anyway, it just it he doesn't bother me necessarily. It's just the it's just the sort of noise, you know, that, you know, it, it's it's almost like, oh, we're trying to fix the gambling going on in the casino and oh my gosh, the gambling going on in the casino. <laughs> we're making so much money from the gambling in the casino. How do we fix That's it? Great. Oh, I'm so worried about fixing it. Yeah. That's great. 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 Hey, uh yeah. we have content marketing world coming up. This week, correct? We do. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm flying to Cleveland. I hear on you're speaking. I know I'm speaking. I, it's a rumor. There yeah. is, it will be good. I know it's going to be a little bit different this year, and uh, we're going to be working around some obstacles, but it will be great seeing everyone and uh, and doing our thing best we can. But I'll definitely be sharing a drink with you in person, yeah. sir. Many, probably many it drinks. Probably multiple. Will be great. Multiple all, beverages. Will all be the happy. drinks. All the drinks that all hashtag. No, I gotta take things. it. Yes. I gotta take it to Whistle sure. and Keg, I, which is which is right. Oh, it's I'm right in. downtown. Oh, it's I'm the kind where you in. give your you give your credit card and you get a wristband and they've got fifty different beers and you just could go up and try them all. You can have a full beer, half a beer. You know, they've got wine and ciders and all kinds of stuff. It's it, I love it because I'm like, oh, I I want three ounces of that and then three more ounces of that and then maybe twelve more ounces of that. So, anyways. Yeah. There it is. Great. There it is. Fantastic. Well, I will see you on Monday. Um, and by the way, Monday, just going to throw it out there. Monday Night Football is the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know where I will be. So uh, I will be in watching that <laughs> yeah, game somewhere. Exactly. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. And if you want to get all the goodness of this wonderful podcast show notes, hear our rants, see the links that we point to, or dive into any of the other 289 episodes, why don't you just get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the really, really good folks at Radix for powering our .site domain. And if you want your own .site domain, you should get over to Radix and get your own .site domain. There are plenty there to choose from. Your product, your brand name, I'm sure, is probably still available. And until we meet again, just remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week from Cleveland on This Old Marketing.